Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode number 10 of The Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show. Personal conversations with powerful men. Well, welcome to the show, guys. How are you doing? How's your week been? I can't believe it's episode number 10 already. Where does the time go? It's all thanks to you guys for tuning in and listening every week. And I hope you're enjoying the show. Feel free to give me any feedback at any time. If there's a guest you want to see on, if there's something you like that I do or don't like, I'm happy to hear it all. So drop me an email at nathan at nathanseward.com. I reply to every email. And thank you for sharing this on Facebook. And thanks for telling a friend. I really appreciate it. And that's why the show keeps going from strength to strength and getting new viewers and uh, uh, more exciting guests every every week. So thank you for all your help and for sharing the show around. I'm back in Tokyo now back from uh, my trip to Africa which was incredibly life-changing look if you're uh, stuck in life or you just are feeling like life is the same day in and day out and it's getting a little bit mundane go and take yourself to Africa find a tour and go and drop yourself in there and just you, you, you won't regret it and it'll push you outside of your comfort zone and you'll just really really expand your horizons I learned so many lessons on connection from uh, just talking to little kids that just shared with me and told me stories and just uh, played with me I learned how to be in the moment by just every day being surrounded by these incredible incredible friendly people and just uh, having a great time and feeling their warmth and I just learned so many lessons on uh, being grateful for what I have, just being around people that are struggling to uh, find clean drinking water, that are eating one meal a day. One guy told me he'd never heard of breakfast before until two weeks ago because he's only ever eaten one meal a day his whole life at night time. So I just feel so grateful for what I have, and uh, a trip to Africa is great for bringing you back into perspective. Um I've been also working on my new coaching program. I've been deep in the lab the last couple of weeks, and I think this program is going to be my absolute best work yet. It's for game changers and rule breakers. It's for visionaries that are out there making a difference in the world or want to make a difference in the world. And I help them to carve out a huge new vision that's beautifully aligned with their purpose and what they want to do in their life. And then we start taking small steps towards that and help you grow and narrow down all the opportunities you've got in your life so you can focus on what will truly bring you fulfillment in your life, not just traditional success. It's called the hypersonic effect and it's a a nod to my aviation uh, career and I think it's going to be an incredible program. I'm so proud of how it's coming together. If it feels like uh, something that you'd be interested in in, uh, doing, reach out to me and we can have a very powerful conversation together uh, about that. And this week on the show for episode number 10, I have a wonderful Australian uh, by the name of Brendan Baker. Brendan is an expert on happiness and fulfillment. He runs a website called uh, Start of Happiness, or the Start of Happiness at startofhappiness.com. And he blogs about how you can find fulfillment in your life. What are the key steps you need to go through to ensure that you live a happy and fulfilled life of doing what you love and making money in the process? In this conversation, we talk all about Brendan's uh, childhood experience of nearly being run over by a train. It's an amazing story. And you'll get all his best tips for how to really start working towards creating a life that's filled with more happiness than you already have. I asked Brendan all about how he helps people to start the process of finding a life of happiness and fulfillment. And that's where we join the conversation. So enjoy this very personal conversation with the powerful Brendan Baker.
what I help people do is um, firstly, like uh, uncover what is it that they truly want to do in their lives. So kind of finding their purpose and their passion and something that really kind of energizes them and, and gets them up in the morning. Um, and then my whole um, theory is to not just do that on the side as a hobby, but to somehow earn an income from that. And I really talk a lot around the importance of earning an income from from doing what you love because it's when you start to earn that income from doing what you love you can start to turn it into a business and turn it into more of your life and obviously it's a bit of a transition period for for most people um moving from kind of like that that hobby finding your passion and doing it on the side first and foremost to then kind of like generating a small income to building it up um to to do more of it full time but that's really what um, in a nutshell, what, what I'm all about. And, um, so obviously doing that myself and then helping other people do that as well. Cool. So what, what um, led you into that? What, what, what made you so passionate about that in particular? Yeah. Like it, my story actually starts uh, a long time ago and, uh, I've always been into the personal development space. Um, and my, my father gave me a book when I was about 10 years old and I, I can't, I really want to remember what this book was, but I can't remember the title and it's, it's killed me over the years. So I really <laughs> want to go back to this book because I know it was like the starting point of everything for me, but I actually gave it to a, a friend and he, he threw it away. So, um, uh, I never saw the light of day, never saw the light of day again. Um, but this book was all around, uh, kind of like your mindset that, that you're the you're the pilot of your own plane, and your your plane is your life, and you can reach any destination that you want, but you've got to really control control uh, be that be the pilot and control where you're going, and um, you know you need to make sure that you have your compass, you have your directions, you know where your destination is, and all that kind of stuff, and obviously you're going to be hitting turbulence and other things in the air that are going to throw you off course and, and try bounce you around, but you know as long as you you're in capable hands, you've got the skills and capabilities to get to where you want to go, then you're going to get there, and that was just like a a book that's kind of like shifted my whole mindset around personal development. I was just like, yeah, man, this is, this is awesome. I just got to live a life true to who I want to, who I want to be. Right. Um, and so that was kind of like the, an introduction to me into the personal development space. Um, but even before that, I was kind of, I had this life changing experience where, um, I almost died. And that in, that has been a life experience, which, has kind of shaped my life and how I want to live my life. And um, what actually happened was I was at Central Station, which is um, the largest station in Sydney, Australia, so train station. And we were there to witness the last steam train to ever depart from the station because my dad was was massive into trains and he just wanted to go see this thing uh, jet off. And anyway... My brothers and I decided that it would be fun to, to race the train down the platform as a, the train is departing. And anyway, I was seven at the time, and um, my eldest brother at the time was 12 years old. And I remember the train started departing, and my brother and I, like, you know, we're, we're walking with it and at the same pace as the train, and the train just starts to pick up pace. And then, you know, with our little legs, we just start running and um, trying to keep up with it. And I remember looking out to my right-hand side where the train was, and I remember seeing just one of these doors of the train just flapping open and shut and a couple of the windows open and half a jar. And that was like, that was the last image I remember. The next thing I remember is I'm huddled up in a ball down in this really dark position with, and I feel this solid thing on my right hand side. And I realized that it's the actual, it's the actual platform itself. And then just to my left, like just whisking past my left shoulder is the wheels of the, cha- uh, wheels of the train. And so somehow I'd fallen in between the gap 
of the platform and the train itself. And this tiny little gap for myself, a seven-year-old, to be able to fit into. I don't know how I uh, did not die at that point in time, but fell in, in between that gap. And I remember seeing the wheels just and the end of the train just slowly going past me. And it was probably a good, a good 20, 25 seconds or so I was down there while this train was going past me and, and the back of the train whisking past, picking up speed. And... Um, yeah, it's just I can still see it right now as I'm talking about this, and just that image that I have—it's just absolutely crazy. And I remember um, the train went past; it all went quiet, and I looked up onto the platform, and I remember seeing this old lady uh, who would have been—I don't know—about sixty, seventy at the time, just sitting there on on a bench, just like looking down at me, and her eyes were like wide-eyed, and her mouth, her hands were over her mouth, just looking at me in shock. And I'm just like. What the heck has just, how did I get down here? What's going on? And anyway, my, my brother was there and um, he pulled me up and then um, he, he put his arm around me as we started uh, running back to my parents. But he quickly took his arm off and I saw he had blood all over his arm. And I'm just like, what, what's going on? And then I realized that I was bleeding profusely from my head. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is not good. So anyway, we went. Um, my brother and I we ended up uh, making it back to my parents at the um, at the end of the platform. Um, went to um, went to the hospital and um, did all the procedures and it came out okay. And the, basically, the, the doctor said that look, if it had been a, a modern day train, being an electric train, I most likely would have died. Um, the, the good thing is that the fact that it was a steam train, the the carriages were actually thinner, so hence why it could actually fit between that gap um, in between the platform and the train itself. Whereas if it was that electric train, obviously it would have had a faster speed and just the gap would have just been enough to kind of crush me, so to speak, um, being my seven-year-old body. So that was just this uh, really eye-opening experience thinking, holy shit, I, I almost died. And, and for a seven-year-old to kind of go through this, I mean, y- your brain's not fully developed or anything at that point in time, uh, but it definitely had a significant impact on my life. And I started to think, uh, you know, what – what would what would it be like if I was just taken away, and that was my life over the last seven years? I mean, I haven't hadn't really achieved anything at that point in time. I mean, I was doing middle athletics, and that was probably like my my biggest thing, winning a few races and that. And um, I just really kind of said to myself, look, if like that's how fast life can get taken away, I just want to make sure that I I live a life true to who I want to be, my passions, my purpose, and just make something of it make something of it and um and that's kind of like being the, the shaping experience for me um but in saying that like i've actually gone through the whole education system in sydney australia and i kind of lost touch so to speak of of that event and the fact that you know life is short and you got you got to do what you want to do day in day out and um i kind of got sucked in by the whole societal system that we have which is you go to school, you get good grades, you go through university, you get a corporate job, and away you go, you build your career, etc. And so, and that's what I actually started doing. So I actually um, landed a, a great first job out of university. It's on a, a graduate program, which are pretty hard to come by, um, and started building myself uh, this great career in the corporate world. And I was there for um, a good seven years before I started to really think about my life again going hang on is this really what I want to do because I was I was earning the dollars and I could see that yes I could earn even more dollars um, and build up a, a great career in HR so HR is my background um, 
but I was like, oh, but is this really what I want to do? Like if, if I think of my life 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when I'm 40, 50, 60, do I really want to still be doing HR stuff and in the corporate world? I was like, ah, oh, you know, not really. And so um, I kind of had this big eye-opening moment again and kind of reflected on that moment when I was seven years old and the books I was reading um, that my dad gave me as I was growing up. And I was just like, look, I'm really not living true to who I want to be and true to my values or anything. And so um, that's when I started um, my really getting into the online space and thinking, well, what is what opportunities are there for now for me to be able to live out my passion and, and make a difference in this world, which are two of my highest values. And um, hence, I, I created a um, I created a blog called The Start of Happiness, which is really I really set it up around because um, my goal right then was to create a training company, helping other people to um, achieve high performance, um, to find out what it is that they truly want to do in life, uh, find out their passion, find out their purpose, and basically build a um, an action plan and a goal to actually make that happen. And so I, I created all of these resources on the Start of Happiness. A start of happiness, mostly for myself, so then I could um, kind of call upon these resources when I was building up my training programs and things like that. But then the the website itself actually got some legs and was starting to get some really great traffic and things like that. And I started to shift my thinking to, well, hang on, maybe there's opportunity here to not just create a, a, a local training company, but also help people globally with this information. And so that's kind of like being the, the starting point and the catalyst for, for where I am now. Wow, awesome story! I did, I, <laughs> that trade story is phenomenal. I just can't even imagine. I was trying uh, to put myself in that position as a seven-year-old, and like you are pretty reckless and carefree as a seven-year-old. You know, you don't really, you don't think twice about doing stupid things. But to have that insight, you know that. Well, I mean, a lot of people never get that insight to have your life flash in front of your eyes. Like it's that's an amazing gift in a way. You know, obviously great that you came out of it alive. Um, but it's a gift to to have that perspective, right? Yeah, 100%. And I completely agree with that. I mean, because it, it is one of those events that, I mean, I don't think about it every day, but I think about it pretty often. Um, mm. uh, probably like at least, you know, once every couple of weeks, I just kind of get this flashing memory back of that. Wow. Or I think back to, um, you know, just I need, I need to be focused on what it is that I'm truly passionate about and just um, living living true to my values. Um, and have one of those kind of experiences. And so that's kind of like, yeah, as you're saying, it's kind of been a blessing in terms of that. It's kind of kept me um, accountable to myself and ensuring that's kind of been my guiding light, so to speak, in terms of my direction in life. Yeah. I love that there were steam trains in your childhood too. Like you grew up, <laughs> yeah, know, grew right? up in 1935 or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy. I don't, don't even know. Um, awesome. uh, I think it was like more of one of those expedition trains. Oh, yeah, so I think cool. steam trains had already finished by then but it's like more they had expedition trains um at the station at the time yeah, i like it and i relate to your story too about reading the self-help book. like i read rich dad poor dad when i was you know, uh, yes. re- re- really young and i just remember Love. sitting on the bed opening that book up and you know immediately becoming one of those precocious <laughs> kids that knows too much about um personal development but oh man and yeah. that's gonna be the one of the best books of all time i reckon yeah totally and especially at that time it was you know literally reading that it was the first time i'd ever you know read about those principles or learned about making money or taking responsible for your own life you know it was it was quite mind-blowing to me love it yeah so you 
you made that um, that transition from the corporate world into business. Was that a tough transition to make in the end, or was it a fairly easy decision when it came down to it? Uh, no, it was pretty tough to be honest. So um, I, I gave myself. So I had twelve months running the start of happiness. And um, that was just more of like a, an online blog um, that I was just kind of growing in the back end. But I knew that that was where my passion was and I was putting a lot of effort into it. And, um, you know, my, my performance and productivity at work actually started to decrease because of it as well because I was spending more time on the start of happiness versus what I was doing in the corporate world. And um, then um, – but I actually – because I was, I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well, you know, is this really what's going to – earn me money in the personal development space you know it's harder to earn money um compared to in other areas where you're supporting a business or growing a business um helping people make money or save money and things like that as opposed to just general personal development um so i actually came up with this idea of another business called grad recruit and so grad grad recruit is a, a business which is uh, which i've set up uh that helps employers connect to graduates in um that was coming out of university and basically co- uh, employers can purchase 12 month packages to um to advertise on grad recruit and then showcase their their jobs and openings and graduate programs to the graduate community and so that was um so i set that up and it was only when i set that up then I felt comfortable leaving the corporate world and kind of um, using that as my my basis for um, creating that extra income. So was it only the money? Was it time. was it just the income, or was there a wider fear there about leaving? Um, no, it, that was purely money. Yeah. So it was purely money. I mean, obviously, it was a it was a big drop from what I was earning in the corporate world, but um, at that point in time, I wasn't earning much, if anything, from the start of happiness. And so, I mean, I could have put my, my heart and soul into what I was passionate about, but kind of like what I, what I talked to as well, I mean, you need to be earning the income, of, income from it, and I wasn't earning the income from it to sustain my lifestyle um, or even give me a, a basic lifestyle at that point in time. So um, that's where I figured, well, I need to have something else in place which is going to generate this income, um, which, was, which was grad recruit. Okay. And something I think about a lot um, – it's a familiar story, you know, the, the leaving the corporate world to start your own business or do something you love. You, it's a story you read about time and time again. But I often think, is there a place, you know, can you still find happiness and be in that corporate environment or be in a, a day job, a nine-to-five job per se? Or does, you know, realistically, if you want to have that freedom and happiness and income, it has to be in your own business? Yeah, no, I... Uh, I um now that I've gone through like the full full cycle, I mean, I still do training in the corporate world now, and so I'm very very much linked to the corporate world. And um, uh, I truly believe that you can be in the corporate world and be uh, super happy. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the right role. So now, so previously, I was doing like broad HR, which is. Um, you know, you're doing like a lot of performance management, there's lots of reports, there's, you know, looking at people's salaries and remuneration, you're doing things like redundancies, like a whole broad remit of things, which uh, some of the things are really interesting, but some of the things are just like, oh my God, this is just total admin and it's just just not fun at all. Um, whereas what I do now is it's purely in the training and development space. So it's looking at, so what are the needs of employees? How do I... How do I increase their performance and productivity? 
how do I um, increase their sales capability or management capability, whatever it may be. And so it's um, it's much more invigorating, uh, invigorating work, which is awesome. Mm. And so what's the secret to kind of finding happiness in the corporate world as opposed to going out on your own, do you think? I think it's, um, I think it's very similar. I think it's just a matter of just really understanding, firstly, what your values are, so what's really important to you, and then just probably uh, to find, like to find your passion really. I mean, you, you just got to test a whole heap of things. There's no like set formula or anything or set 10 questions that you can do. I mean, those kind of things uh, can help you in terms of be that guiding light to help you find your passion, what you're interested in. But you just got to test things out. You got to throw yourself in and just go, hey, like I, I've done this now for a week or to start to do something, start to uh, take on a project and, and just see like, do you like it? Do you enjoy it? And if you do, just go down the rabbit hole and um, jump down that rabbit hole, see where it takes you, and it can open up a whole world of uh, opportunities and possibilities. But I think it's just mainly, yeah, test out as much as you can. When you find something that you, you do really enjoy, just throw yourself at it and go down the rabbit hole and see where it takes you. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice. And a, lot of, a lot of times in my coaching when I'm talking to guys, it's, they want a, <laughs> a three-point you know, bullet point yeah. of how to be happy and how to have success and how to make millions but it is a long process and it's not linear it's yeah i love what you say it's test and measure it's experiment it's i'm a big fan of um 30-day experience i'm just starting a um yeah a thing on my website doing 30-day experiments just because i think it's such a good idea not just in business or in uh, in your job but testing out hey is gluten-free good for me is yeah running good for me and just just getting into the mindset of experimenting because a lot of the times you, you, the stuff you read in a book is great but it is very generalized and it doesn't yeah. and I think we make the mistake a lot well I certainly make the mistake a lot of thinking that that's the blueprint and that's the answer but yeah. it's one answer and then you have to go out and test it for yourself yeah exactly and actually in the the corporate world like one of the the most common models so to speak in the in a training and development space is what we call the 70-20-10 model and it, it's, it's exactly right. It's 100% um, on the money. And it basically says it's, it's the 70 20 10 is broken down in percentages of how do you best learn and what should be your, your learning methods. And so basically it's saying that 10% of your learning should be um, kind of formal classroom learning or by, by reading a book or through taking a course, whatever it may be. And the, the problem with, with most people is that they – um, they feel as though, well, to, to learn and develop, like in the corporate world or even in the personal, with your personal life, people are like, I need to take courses. So people are like, buy all these courses and courses and courses. Um, or they've gone these training programs here and there, going to seminars, et cetera, et cetera. But like, that's, that's only the 10% of what you need to do to really get to where you want to go. And uh, by, by taking these courses, you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to be just drowning in all this knowledge and getting even more confused. But, what's even better but but you need that but it's only the 10% so you need some kind of structure and information to be able to help you to get to where you want to go the the 20% is from learning through others so this is through like having a coach having a mentor having an accountability partner um, you know groups that can really support you and guide you on your way um, and it's from learning from a coach you'll get much much better like well double so 20% versus 10% versus what you get in the in the classroom or formal courses or anything like that you'll learn much more from that kind of one-on-one interaction from a coach or a mentor um then the 70 percent 
is that's the on-the-job stuff. That's the stuff that you need to actually experiment with. That's you actually going out there and testing the things that you're you're teaching your coaching um, clients to do. It's the things that you know when when somebody takes an online course, it's the actual implementation of that. It's them experimenting, putting things into practice. That's when they learn. So it's not like um, so. I mean, I teach sales training, for example, and um, I can go on and on and on about sales training and you know the best way to prepare for a sales call the the methodology on how to take somebody from uh engaged to diagnosing their needs through to demonstrating value through to um come up with a plan and closing the deal but you know it's not until you actually pick up the phone and you've got uh, a prospect on the phone and you actually have that conversation where you're just like holy shit like i need to navigate all these actual nuances and things like that which is where your brain starts to um, why all these things together for all the various scenarios, and so um, it's it's a great model to keep in mind that seventy twenty ten model. And it's whenever you're thinking about your own personal development plan or your learning plan or what you need to implement in your life, just to really be focused on that experimentation side of things. Because I mean, as we're saying, like it's about finding your passion, and you, you do that by you know focusing on the seventy percent and testing things out. It's the same with, with every area of your life. It's about just throwing yourself in there and and making things happen. I love that. It's such a great model. And I think it's sometimes I think the classroom and the courses is a little bit of a cop out because it's easy. It's structured. Yeah. I pay my, you know, 500 bucks. I do my course. But like you say, it's 10%. It doesn't actually move the needle. Maybe you come out with a little bit of knowledge. But it's kind of, it's a very sheltered environment compared to getting out there and doing it. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, for me, I relate to this personally as well because the, the on the job stuff is challenging because you've got to go out there and figure it out for yourself. And sales is a great example. You know, you've got to pick up the phone and talk to people. Uh, and that's scary. It's much easier to go and just do courses. And <laughs> yeah, think exactly. That you're moving it's, the it's, it's, doing courses, it's the, it's the easy option. And it makes you feel good. Because it's mm. like, oh, yeah, I bought this course, right? And it's like, it's awesome. And then because um, you're feeling good, like you're reading the sales page, you're like, yeah, it's hitting all my needs. I, I need to do this. And, you know, it's, um, this is going to be the going to be the pill that's going to get me from a to b um the secret the secret ingredient so to speak and then um so it makes you feel good once you purchase it and it's like yeah i was going to do it now but then um what it's like 75 percent of people that purchase courses don't actually end up doing anything about it um then actually uh and a lot of those people don't even read a page of the content they're just like yep i, I bought it i'll do it at some point i need to, i'm going to need to do this in two months time but then that two months time comes around and they never do it and um, yeah, you just gotta you just gotta jump in and make things happen. How do you, as a coach, when you're coaching someone in that scenario, how do you get them out there doing it? What would oh, you yeah. say to someone that was kind of immersed in courses but really just needed to get some experience? How do you? <laughs> really just it's just getting them just to wake up and um, and just let them know that yeah, I, I kind of in a way I probably don't talk about it as a seventy twenty ten model, but I just reinforce the fact that look, you just got to do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't really have any kind of set structure or anything like that or set things that I, I do to say to them. I'm just like uh, basically to say you can spend all the time in the world going through this course and, and learning this material, but it's, it's not until you actually apply it that you're actually going to get immediate feedback for yourself and, and work out exactly what works and what doesn't. What doesn't. Yeah, it reminds so, me like I, I heard Tim Ferriss talking about MBAs, you know, and I think the average cost of an MBA in America is now 100000 and he said you can get more experience by taking that $100,000 and then making a series of, say, ten or $15,000 investments in other people's businesses or 
starting your own business and just experiencing all the things that an MBA is trying to teach you um, yeah. in principle. Yeah. You can get yeah, from just I, getting out I, and doing it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like I've... Um, uh, I would never get an MBA. Um, when it comes to formal training now, I don't think I would. I would never do any kind of like government-funded training or anything like that anymore. I would just learn purely from individuals, or as you're saying, like invest in other companies and, and stuff like that. And I've even, um, I've even had conversations with my wife about this, and I'd be like, "Look, I'd be so happy to not even send." I, I've got a daughter now who's. Um, 14 months old um, but obviously I'm thinking like way in, way in advance now but I'm just like look, I'd be happy not even sending my daughter to high school or, or to university I'd, I'd uh, cause if you're thinking about it if you're sending going to a private school now a private school in Australia is like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a year it's just insane and then obviously university on top of that for another three or four years like the funds just um, go com- completely crazy whereas if you invest that so say thirty thousand dollars a year times six years of high school it's like one hundred eighty thousand dollars there just to get get somebody through high school. But then um, you take that money and instead of putting somebody through high school, you, you put them, you, you invest that in pure like coaching and mentoring and things like that from successful people, and you do that for a period of six years. And I think that would you you'd create this you create this human which will be unstoppable so to speak although yeah it kind of like it needs to obviously be the balance between the whole social aspect and everything that you get from the education and the diversity and things like that but just kind of like in theory that's um that's what you can do in terms of opportunity cost well you're the type of person too that has the the dna figured out for success and for happiness or at least on that journey so you're much more uh armed to teach your daughter those things which at the end of the day is the most important things right like how to be mm. happy how to make money um you know yeah it's not the most important thing but those are some fundamentals that you don't learn at, at high school yeah and i think exactly. it's become I, I was watching a guy what was his name i think his name was john butcher um talking about he's doing exactly that they have both their kids out of school and they're entrepreneurs very well off and they just travel the world going from experience to experience uh, which is invaluable education as far as i'm concerned experiencing different cultures not just reading about it in the textbook but going and and experiencing it and the other part of it was they were teaching them uh to follow what they were interested in and if they were interested in a certain topic be it exercise or building motorbikes or writing a novel then how do you go through the process to learn those skills so that you can follow through on that so learning the skill of knowledge acquisition as opposed to just rote learning a whole lot of topics in school that you may or may not use and that really sparked something off in me actually Mm. yeah it's, it's so true though like it's um Everything in the whole the school system, at least here in Australia, it's it's all about remote learning. It's um it's all about yeah you need to just re- remember this this five point steps for building a business or you know if you're talking about mathematics these are formulas that you need to do and bam you just regurgitate them and away you go or English you just um, memorize essays and then regurgitate them in the in the exams and stuff like that, which is Definitely not the the right approach, as you're saying. Um, I think it's a skill. Uh, you know that that is a skill, like yeah. that, being able to learn and 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 remember knowledge is a skill, but it's not everything. Exactly, but the, the much more valuable skill is the how do you learn and how do you actually 
process it to make it long-term memory as opposed to short-term memory. Because if you were to ask me now, um, you know, what were the essays, et cetera, that I wrote in English and uh, the various five-point uh, bullet points for developing a business, et cetera, um, I'd have no idea what they are now. Like, it hasn't gone into my long-term memory at all. Um, whereas if you can kind of like just what's the, the process of, of learning and um, break that down, I think it's much more valuable. And I think um, it's kind of what, coming back to what we're, we're speaking about. A lot of that is just through experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know you, when you talk about happiness, it's reading, you know, you say the three key ingredients that you have to be um, feeling like you're making a difference, doing something that you love, and then surrounding yourself with amazing people. Yeah. Um, so tell me a bit more about that. How do you come up with that formula as being the ingredients to happiness, the start of happiness, yeah. if you will? <laughs> yeah, I'm always, um, I'm always like, uh, I'm always keen to how do I break big concepts and things down into their most simplest form. And so if I'm thinking, all right, how do I be happy? I just want to break it down to like the three most simple things. And, um, and that's kind of like what I came up with for the start of happiness. I mean, it's kind of coming back to, you know, where like you're, you're saying your coaching clients are asking for their three point plan of being happy and successful and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know, it's not ideal to just go, Hey, it's what you need to do. But, um, but I always try to like summarize it in, in my mind, just kind of like helps me like, what do I need to focus on the most, uh, to really kind of, uh, give me the most leverage towards whatever that goal is. And so when it comes to happiness for me, um, I was really thinking about it. I mean, there's so many things that lead to happiness. So, for example, your, your overall health and well, uh, well-being and your fitness levels and things like that, that has a, that impacts your, your happiness. Um, you know, setting goals and progress, that leads to happiness. I mean, um, going for a walk around uh, the park in the afternoon on a sunny day, I mean, that leads to happiness. Um, eating something that you like, um, like chocolate and stuff like that, that leads to happiness. I mean, there's so many uh, things that lead to happiness, but I was trying to like break it down into the fundamentals. And so for me, I was thinking about it long and hard, and um, I, think, I was thinking that your life, to be happy, your life has to have meaning. And I'm thinking like sustained happiness here. I'm not thinking like I need to be happy in the, in the next 10 seconds and away we go. And just take a deep breath for that um, and do a little bit of meditation. But I'm thinking like long-term happiness for the next 10, 20 years and kind of sustain that happiness. And I'm thinking, well, you need to be able to – your life has to have that, have that purpose. And so that's kind of where I summarized it um, in my bullet point being make a difference. So you need to have need to make a difference in your life, and you want to make make sure that you're waking up every day and making a difference in some shape or form. And so for some people, that may be, um, you know, maybe coaching others, or it may be um, uh, being a manager in the corporate world and making a difference to their employees, or it may even just be being a mother at home and just making a difference in their um, son or daughter's life. And so I think it's just kind of that, that sets that purpose when you're making a difference and you're kind of thinking about not just yourself but about others. And there's a, there's a lot of research out there that says when you're thinking about others and not just yourself, that is a, um, a key ingredient for happiness. The second part of that... I'll just tell you there. That, yeah, yeah. So that I find that fascinating. I totally agree. Um, so how important do you think it is? Out of all those three, like actually taking the time to find out, I guess, your purpose, how important is that out of those three? Oh yeah. I mean, I think they, I think they're, I think they're all essential really. So make a difference, do what you love and surround yourself with amazing people. I think it's, um, 
I think all three are critical. I, I don't think you, I don't think you can have two without the other, and and be happy. To be honest, mm. I think they're all essential. Mm, it's a balance. And I think so it's a pure balance that moves into do what you love. I guess that that the first two feed each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it. Because the other thing is, yeah, you want to make sure that you're waking up every day and you're doing something that generates happiness, that ha- like generates endorphins in you um, and dopamine. You want to have these these great feelings for whatever it is that you're doing, and you do you do get that naturally from helping other people. But at the same time, it's like whatever that topic is or that thing that you're doing to help them, you want to make sure that you're enjoying that as well. And so, um, uh, and so when you do wake up and you're, you're energetic and you're, you're happy and you've uh, got your your brain switched on and you're you're running these endorphins and dopamine and things like that um you're going to give more to the world as well so you're going to actually make more of a difference and so i think that they definitely play off each other definitely yeah cool then you move into the third Um, one surrounding yourself by amazing people so how do you how do you do that how do you surround yourself by amazing people if you're you're in a position um yeah i mean some people are in the unfortunate position of you know they may have uh family members who just don't support them on their goals or um um kind of like negative uh there's like a negative influence in their lives yeah it's another common that, story that's, yeah that situation it, it is tricky to be honest because you, you can't just really say to your family members hey get lost or you can if you want, but I mean, there's a lot of good things that fight with these, uh, with those family members as well. In most cases, um, where you don't want to get rid of them completely from your life. But um, uh, what I tell people to do is to kind of compartmentalize their relationships. So whereby you have your your family members or those that are, are a neg- negative influence in your life, and just compartmentalize them as okay. Well, these are people that. I, I know that they're not going to help, you, help me achieve my goal. And so whenever I'm speaking to them and, they're, and I'm speaking about my goals or the things I want to do or the things that I'm passionate about and they say, say something back which is a negative comment or it's kind of like putting me down or creating fear in me or saying, hey, you can't do that. Like who, who, why are they going to listen to you and those kind of things that I'm just not going to listen to them. So I'm not going to take their advice. I'm not going to listen to them. No, they're compartmentalized over to the um, no advice or don't listen to them. That's a tough transition for a lot of people because that's been their source of advice maybe for their whole life. Yeah, yeah. And um, to counteract that, you need to find other people that you can trust and rely upon that are going to support you in your goals. Um, Because once you find those people, and I'd suggest finding those people before you kind of compartmentalize People and say, well, don't go and find, um, don't listen to their advice, etc. But, um, um, but you need to really go out there and find the people that inspire you and that have the same kind of thinking as you and will support you in your goals. And there's many ways of doing that. Um, one of the best ways of doing that is going to seminars that you're interested in. Um, so if you're interested in public speaking and you want to become a public speaker on some kind of topic, go to a public speaking seminar or a training program on that where everybody around there would be like, hey, yeah, I want to get into public speaking and everybody will see, have that same kind of goal and be on that same kind of path and most people there will be uh, having been in a similar situation where family and close friends would be like, hey, well, why are you going into public speaking? That's too risky or like, why would people listen to you? Like, what do you need to do? Uh, you know, what kind of authority do you have? Um, but if ever, when you, when you surround the people that have that same kind of goal, 
I mean, some people you'll be in that group will most likely already have overcome those obstacles. So you can kind of use them as your mentors and guiding lights um, and have conversations with them for inspiration and um, get some guidance from them as well. So use them as your, your coach and your mentor. Um, so seminars are great, even meetup groups. So meetup.com is a great way of meeting uh, people that are like-minded um, through the various online courses that you may be taking or and with Facebook now and Facebook groups, I mean, you can find um, you can find groups that are passionate about anything and find like-minded people. But I think in this particular situation, it's best if you can find people in your local area where you can actually meet face-to-face uh, because when you actually have that face-to-face, like a real communication, real relationship, that's just when it will take you to another level. That's great advice. And I think this is the this is the missing piece for a lot of people. I think a lot of people, especially maybe that are transitioning into their own business, it can be a lonely time. A lot of times sitting in front of the laptop <laughs> at your desk at home. And yeah. so maybe you found the purpose, maybe you're doing what you love, but that is a, a crucial piece to success, to happiness, to sanity. Um, finding those people that you relate to. I can see my life clearly divided between the time before when I was trying to do it all myself to the time where I was joined into networking groups and had an online group that I spoke to every week and had a coach mm. and just had that support team around me. There's mm. life-changing stuff, but I think the most um, missed component out of those three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just enables you to have a, somebody or a group of people just to, if you're you're feeling a certain way, like you're feeling down, you're feeling fearful, you're not confident, don't, right, don't have that kind of belief that one, you can see other people breaking through those barriers uh, because they're on a similar path to you or you can you can ask a question, go, hey, guys, look, um, uh, I don't know if public speaking is for me. Like my family's been saying this stuff. And they'd be like, no, man, what are you talking about? <laughs> like I met you the other day and like, you come across really great and like you're passionate about it all and everything. People are going to love you and laugh you up. You just got to keep at it. You just got to hustle, you know? And it's like, okay, yeah, no, you're right. And just kind of gets you back on track and, and away you go. And then two years later, you're the one helping somebody else yeah, <laughs> to do exactly. the same thing. Yeah, exactly. it's a, it's that's a cool the, that's, cycle. And particularly in business, I mean, that kind of stuff happens all the time where um, – uh, I mean, like the, the successful entrepreneurs and business people that you see now and then um, people of our generation look up to, I mean, they've had uh, mentors and people that they looked up to and that they looked up to and, you know, it just goes on. And then obviously um, uh, the up-and-comers now who are going to be, you know, top of the game in 20 years' time or so, then other people look up to them. So it's this never-ending cycle and groove where you, you obviously you start off as the apprentice, uh, as the apprentice and um, you work your way up through to the master, so to speak. When you, you put this in place in your own life, you've been influenced by some amazing people, right? Like yeah, John, definitely. John Martini, Brendan Bouchard, those type of people. Mm-hmm. What, yeah, how did you yeah. come across those guys and what did they teach you when you spoke to them? Um, so I've, uh, I've had the opportunity of having, um, having chats with these guys at their seminars, basically. So I've gone to their seminars. Um, so Dr. John Demartini, he's, um, he's a guy from, uh, the secret. So he was part of the secret book and the, the DVD that came out on that as well about the law of attraction. He basically just goes around now just giving talks around life and philosophy and stuff like that. Um, uh, but he's great. So I had a man, uh, an opportunity to chat to him and, um, but I remember one guy that I did have a chat to is a guy called um, uh, Ben. Uh, what's his last name? Um, 
uh, having a mental blank at the moment. Uh, he's a he's a big guy in um, in Australia. Sorry, Benjamin J. Harvey. He's a big um, personal development speaker here in Australia. And um, I remember just going up to him after one of the the courses I took, and um, I just asked him. I just said, "Hey Ben, look, I want to do what you're doing right now, getting up in front of people." in groups of like 30, 40 people talking about personal development, talking about finding your passion, talking about like, you know, how do you actually get there? And like he was doing what I wanted to do. And I was like, how do you, how do you, how do you do it? And um, he just said to me, look, just, just start, just start. <laughs> that, was, that was his answer. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Um, thanks. And I was like, okay. And I just kind of walked off and I was just like, um, I was like, wow, that was, that was weird. Um, but it, didn't really, I was like, that was kind of like lame advice, just to start, like, what, what is that going to do, right? And then anyway, but I was, I was kind of reflecting on it over, like, a couple of weeks later, and it was just, it was just 100% on the money. Like, I look back on it now, and just like, it's so true, like, all you got to do is just get started, like, there's, there's nothing that's really holding you back, you just got to start small, and, um, uh, I mean, to be, to be frank, it's like a little bit more of a discussion than just that. So he, he, he basically mentioned that um, he started small and he was doing, you know, uh, uh, little small presentations of um, four to five people and it slowly grew to like 10 to 12 and then like, you know, kind of built it out. And now he's going across Australia and now going um, global as well. Um, but it was just that, that funny little comment just around, yeah, you just got to start. And I just really reflected on that and and it just made me realize that we just all had these limiting beliefs and linking it back again to that 70-20-10 model, like we, a lot of us just don't go into that 70%. We just don't jump at it. We just want this kind of three bullet point um, success formula, which is that 10%. Sure, that kind of, it's, it's a great starting point, some useful knowledge, but you just got to get in there and just got to start. You just got to test it and make it happen. And you're not going to be... Um, somebody that's going to be up in front of a hundred people on stage uh, overnight. It's a process that takes a period of time. And as you're saying, like you just, you just start small and you continually build up and refine your content and get better at your skills and capabilities, etc. But just a matter of jumping in. And I think um, out of those people that I've met face to face, just that one simple conversation, which just lasted a couple minutes with Ben, was just really eye-opening for me. Oh, that's awesome. How has it been as an entrepreneur? Have there been some challenging times, or has it been a pretty enjoyable journey? No, it's been um, uh, it's been massively challenging. Um, but even to this day, I mean, it's still 100% challenging. Like, I'm really focused on um, increasing my revenues, increasing traffic to my website, etc. And um, it can be, uh, yeah, very very frustrating. So, for example, when I um, when I originally left the corporate world and I was working on grad recruit um, and doing um, doing prospecting and calling calling prospects and going through sales conversations and stuff like that, I mean the the amount of no's that you get, ah, oh, it can be <laughs> it can be so disheartening and it just makes you just want to slam your head against the wall, just like fuck, like my my positioning's wrong or like this is just the wrong idea, this is just not going to work, and you start having all these limiting beliefs and. But then, like, it just, it's just, yeah, um, it can be very, very tough. But then when you do get a sale, uh, and I remember when I had, like, my first sale for Grad Recruit, 
and it's like, you know, a couple thousand dollars coming in just like that. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, awesome. Uh, it kind of like proves the business model. But you go through these massive peaks and troughs where you may have days of just like getting nose and slamming your head against a wall and you feel like you're going nowhere. But then all it takes is kind of like one sale or one thing to go right. It's like, oh, yeah, man, like I'm unstoppable. It's sort of like 100 <laughs> times over and it's going to work. And um, It's huge so, ups and downs. It's very much ups and downs and I think um, for myself, and I know it's uh, the same for a lot of other people as well, but just like mentally, you you, you go through those peaks and troughs where like you, you have this burning passion idea which you like, how can I fail? Like it's just so simple and obvious but then when you, when you do put it into action, it's just like, holy shit, nobody's buying my program, what's the deal? And then you start having all these doubts and um, it's just an it's an ongoing yeah just an ongoing process and, it, and still to this day it's like that like whenever I'm launching um, uh, a new product or anything like that um, sometimes the product just completely fails and I'm just like holy shit I put all this effort into it and then it just completely failed and like it's just yeah it's 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 not a good feeling um, so uh, but then you learn from that. So um, in that particular instance now, it's like, okay, well, how do I get a product out faster and test the idea earlier so then I'm not wasting all that time up front um, and things like that. So it's just this ongoing process where you've got to throw yourself in there and see what happens. Yeah. Again, such great advice. You're so insightful because it's um, – it is – I think it was Charlie Munger, you know, um, Warren Buffett's right-hand man. And he oh, yeah. said the world's not yet a crazy enough place to reward no effort or reward uh, anything, you know, reward any idea. So at the end of the day, like you, even though you're failing, like in hindsight, I always look back and I go, yeah, man, I failed there, there and there and that didn't work and it was so disheartening, but it forced me to get better and maybe it was a shitty par- uh, product, maybe it was a shitty marketing strategy, maybe whatever. And so then you learn from that and you try something different and so as soon as you can get past that feeling of failure and just treat that as like, yep, you're not just going to get rewarded unless it's bang on, you know, so you got to keep trying and keep pushing through and it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle to be solved every day. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, I think the longer that you're, you're in the game of entrepreneurship, just the, the better you get um, in terms of like you, you may have faced a challenge before and then you've kind of had that feeling of I've got to give up. But for whatever reason, you've kind of kept at it and you've broken through that barrier and then you've reached like a, another another barrier, like a high barrier down the track. Then you've reached, you reached another challenge, but then you kind of reflect on that earlier barrier and it's like, hang on, I've kind of been in this situation before. I've had these kind of doubts before and I know I can break through. It's just a matter of, I just need to think through it. I just need to find the right support, talk things over, whatever it may be. Um, but you kind of start to slowly and slowly develop even more of a belief that yes it can work yes it can work and and you just keep going yeah that's right and the the skill is like you said the support network or how do you pick yourself up again i I talk a lot in, in my coaching about the pillars you know what are the pillars of your life that what holds everything together so that when you do fail it it doesn't take you out of the game so i know for example like if i have a bad day i know i have to call my brother because my brother will be going through something similar or we can have a conversation or he'll make me feel better or we can talk it out and I just know that it's a pillar of me staying in the game and I think you learn that through experience you go right how do I what do I need now what do I need here what what's going to keep me going I love uh, that yeah I love that because that's a that's a strategy for your life and it so is. like um something that, that I always talk about um is because people often have they set goals 
or they, they have this purpose. They set a goal, um, and they create an action plan to get there. It's like the step by step, step by step. Like I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this. But at the same time, what I what people often miss, and what I talk about um, with people that I work with, is that you need to have that strategy. So, for example, as you just mentioned, like so, whenever you are feeling down in a day and you're having limiting beliefs, just what's your strategy to kind of flip yourself around? And yours is okay. Yeah, I need to call my brother, and just kind of like talking is over. Like bam, away you go. And like that's what that's as, as simple as, as it can be. Or if, if you're feeling really stressed, like what what are your your three key things that you can do to de-stress and maybe it's just okay i need to stop what i'm doing have a minute of um, meditation do deep breaths go for a 10 minute walk around the block need to watch a um a, a ted talk whatever it may be um but you need to have those kind of strategies in your life as well to um uh, make sure you, you keep on track totally the, the stressed one's funny like i always used to try and meditate to get through stress and then i'd be sitting there going this is fucking awful now i'm just sitting here <laughs> thinking about my stress like this is the worst strategy so now well, i know for me like anxiety or stress means like gym or run or some kind of physical exertion some loud music just to shake things up you know but like yeah. sitting on the bed thinking <laughs> or trying not yeah. to think about the problem is, it does not work for me Oh, I love it. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like it's different for different people because exactly. uh, I love meditation. I mean, like I, I'm no meditation guru or anything like that. I'm I'm really shit at it to be honest. But uh, I think it's just. But again, it's just the the practice of it. I'm just like, okay, yeah, you know, it just it just relaxes me. And um, so yeah, it's a it different has its purpose. People. I love. Yeah, I'm, I meditate every morning, and it, it has that oh, purpose yeah. for me of just you know calming the mind up after waking up and just you know being grateful and thinking about the day and stuff but yeah as a stress <laughs> mitigator it's a it's a terrible oh, anecdote for me oh great <laughs> um growing up in australia i want to just um talk a little bit more about australia and what's the culture there growing up there as a guy uh, the culture of masculinity uh the culture of maybe going into entrepreneurship how has it been for you growing up in australia yeah, Australia's great. Like, uh, I'm, I feel so grateful to have been born and raised in Australia um, and in Sydney, Australia. So we've got we've got amazing beaches here in in Sydney, um, where it's you know it's we're blessed in that it's, it is one of the um, more expensive cities in the world. Um, but it, it's and it's obviously a first world country, and so I'm very grateful for that as well. And so in terms of opportunities and things like that, it's um, it's been it's been great. So, I mean, I've never had to had to worry about food or having a roof over my head or anything like that. So, they're the kind of things that really make me grateful. And so, when it comes to um, um, entrepreneurship, there's just the opportunities to be able to do that kind of stuff. Um, and in terms of masculinity, we're we're quite an open society uh, in that um, you know we've got one of the largest. Uh, um, lesbian, gay, bi, transsexual communities in the world. Um, I think it's actually second behind San Francisco um, in Sydney. So um, uh, so we're very open to different people's sexualities and things like that. And when it comes to um, masculinity, it's, it's very diverse. I mean, like the whole population here, we've got such a diverse culture. We've got so many different nationalities nationalities here in australia and sydney um i've been i've been very much in the whole like kind of 
gym and exercise space and and that's kind of like uh, a big part of my masculinity so to speak um uh but yeah so that's kind of um so it, it, it is very diverse in our culture here yeah interesting yeah i think it's you know similar to new zealand similar but different right that sort of we are we, we are cousins but <laughs> there are yeah. some differences as well i think in, i imagine it'll be yeah very very similar yeah i think in new zealand i find at times there the, the band of masculinity or what it, what it means to be a man can be quite narrow and something i'm like thinking through a lot at the moment i don't have the answers to it but just how you open up that band how do you express your um, male side more because i think at times it's become unacceptable to be a man in some in some parts mm. of the culture and what i mean by that is you know those parts of us that are more physical that are um you know we have anger or we just have that need to go and push heavy weights around um yeah that part of us has kind of been demonized a little bit whereas I, I still think it's an essential part of of expressing your masculinity for some people and you know for some yeah. guys not at all uh, i think um i think masculinity is in a way similar to success in that you have to define what it means to you hmm. so masculinity for diff- uh would mean different things to different people so like i know people that uh really define their masculinity by they have to be the man in the relationship. They're the one that takes charge. They're, they're the ones that make all the decisions. Um, they're not going to have their, their wife or their girlfriend tell them what to do or anything like that. It's kind of like them exerting, yep, yeah, that's how I'm being a man and um, juggling my masculinity. But then there's um, other people who are like, well, hang on, I'm, I'm a snag. So I'm a sensitive <laughs> new age guy. Uh, I'm a, you know, I, I listen to my wife and my girlfriend, you know, that's, that's how I express who my masculinity. That's just kind of, um, the way that I do things. Um, but for other people, it is like, you know, getting the biggest biceps and the muscles and being the strongest in the, in the field. Um, that's kind of how they express their masculinity. So I think there's, and other people like are with their intelligence. So I do it by, uh, not me personally, but uh, people may be like, they do it through their inter- intelligence and like, you know, being able to articulate really well and, and those kind of things. So I think it really comes down to how do you define it for yourself? Yeah, it's, it's a worthwhile conversation. And I think on the, on the other side, uh, your feminine side, how do you express your feminine side? And again, I think that's the mm. other part of being a man that gets... I don't know, not demonized, that would be too extreme, but just uh, yeah. having the ability to share emotions, cry, um, have deep conversations with other guys, that kind of thing that I think is maybe just lacking a little bit in our society. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. Actually, if, if I was to think like really broadly and do like a, a big sweep with a broom as to just what every guy would need to do is probably that in terms of like how do we – how do we kind of support each other more and can like open up more around um, on like just personal topics and challenges that we're facing and um, and just you know being there to support with a uh, as a crying shoulder and, and things like that because uh, we we do as guys just generally tend to kind of just go internally whenever we're faced with a challenge or not feeling not feeling the best um, we just kind of like try to keep it in, internal um, and deal with it ourselves um, which yeah I don't, I don't think is necessarily the best way of doing it yeah it's it's a tough one it's, I think that's a I don't know I feel like that's all, almost a natural trait to want to try and keep it inside mm. and I, again a lot of the guys I talk to that are family men they feel like they have to keep everything together for mm. their family they're the ones that has to be strong mm. and so who do they turn to when they need to 
offload something. Well, they don't. They just keep it inside and suck it up and get through it, which yeah, I, wonder, I don't I wonder think why is the answer. Yeah, it's definitely like some kind of evolutionary thing, right? I mm. don't know. It's just like it kind of inherently we just have to kind of feel as though it's, we kind of keep things together. Um, well, that's why I find it funny that, you know, sometimes like when people say sharing your emotions or sharing your feelings is, you know, that's weak. A lot of guys would consider that weak when in reality that's the hardest fucking thing to do. Yeah, like that, that's so true. The, the strong option is to actually figure out a way to share those things and offload a bit of that stuff. So yeah. I think we've got that round the wrong way. It's the, um, it's the idea of being vulnerable. Like as guys, we just hate being vulnerable mm. and putting ourselves into that. I think it probably goes against the whole nature of being the alpha male, so to speak. Um, and like we're having to kind of keep it all together, etc. Go, It's the complete opposite. Vulnerability is the complete opposite of that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, no guy wants to put themselves in that place of vulnerability because it makes you makes you look weak, uh, which is kind of like seen as the the opposite of masculinity. Um, which is, yeah, I, how to get around it? I'm not sure. I think it's just um, because because I think it's I think it is partly and maybe even mostly evolutionary. Um, but I, I think it's, I think we've been making slow. Um, slow inroads, at least here in Australia. I mean, there's been a lot more talk about it um, over over recent years. Um, but in terms of practice, I think there, there can definitely be a lot more to do. Yeah, the the things that have the times that I've been vulnerable, like I'm thinking about kind of opening up to my father and just sharing a few things with him and um, about myself. And yeah, those times that you you make those moves and maybe have those conversations that are awkward you know and you just stay in them even though they are awkward that there's been a lot of good stuff that's come out of that for me like a lot more closeness a lot more connection um and i would say healing you know of kind of healing which is a bit of a bit of a weird term but just yeah by sharing that stuff and opening up it kind of frees you up a little bit so in that respect why i'm talking about it is because i think it makes you a more complete man um, but again, expressing more of your masculinity, whatever that means to you, and expressing more femininity, whatever that means to you, it makes you a more complete human. And going back to what you said, doing what you love, making a difference, you know, surrounding yourself by amazing people, you can only do that when you're um, when you're whole yourself, whole and complete yourself. I think. Yeah, so true, and I think there, are, I think there are a lot of benefits to making yourself vulnerable and and putting yourself out there as you mentioned just with the, the whole healing you kind of like feel as though you're freed um and I, th- I think we just need to need to do it do it more really and i think um i've seen here in sydney there have been some groups set up um for men to get together and kind of talk about this kind of stuff as well i mean i've never been to one but um but I know that these kind of groups exist and where these groups existed 30, 40 years ago, probably less so, maybe there's one or two. Um, but I've definitely seen um, seen some more of these kind of groups popping up. So I, I think it's definitely something on men's minds around the world. Uh, and I think there's, there's some slow inroads in terms of kind of like bringing the topic to fruition. And it's like awesome, like with this podcast, for example, you know, going global and um and talking about it, it's kind of like let's it uh kind of gets it out there more and 
um, spreads the seed in terms of letting people know that it's it's okay and, and there, there are awesome benefits to being vulnerable. Yeah, and I think just having the conversation, even if you don't know what to say, starting the conversation yeah. and then someone will always say, oh, that's a bit deep. That's a bit deep, mate. Yeah. But yeah, well, yeah <laughs> exactly. it is, but then staying staying in it you know, yeah. and pushing through that awkward part and just so having these conversations, yeah, I think is, is very valuable. Because it always goes like that, right? Whenever, <laughs> Initially, whenever it goes I think. It's Initially. Like, yes, they always try to break the tension. Hey, mate, I think we're getting something a little bit tense here. That's mate. right. Yeah, let's <laughs> lighten, the, lighten the mood a bit. Um, yeah. One thing I ask every guy, I'm interested to hear your answer, is about their dark side. So maybe the part of them that they're not so proud of or the part of them that they tend to hide mm-hmm. or that they don't have control over, whatever. Your definition of dark side is um, is good enough. So do you have a yeah. dark side or do you acknowledge a dark side within you? No, I've got no dark sides. It's good. Sure yeah. side. good answer. <laughs> no, <laughs> Next I wish, question. I wish I could say that. <laughs> yeah. No, so I definitely have dark sides. I think um, I think like the biggest thing I, I uh, have trouble with is um, just kind of really staying focused. I mean, I, I talk about it a lot and I, I'm really focused on being focused and, and things like that. But at the same time, there are just times where – you know, I'd watch a um, I'd watch a YouTube video, and it's like, yeah, and I have like a two minute break, watch a YouTube video, and then I just go down the rabbit hole, and it'd be like two hours later, and I'd be like, holy shit, I've just kind of wasted two hours, and all I've been doing is watching cat videos and dogs <laughs> jumping over trains and stuff like that, and um, yeah, just just crazy stuff, and um, uh, so I think that's probably my dark side. I just uh, I do get a little bit distracted easily, and so. Um, just really, just, uh, but I'm very focused on like, uh, like it, when I kind of wake up to myself after those two hours and it's like, holy shit. And I was like, get straight back into it. Um, which is a good thing, but, uh, yeah, I do tend to go down there throughout the hole quite a little bit. So you can easily sort of get distracted and, and be a little bit uh, unproductive. Yeah, exactly. So that's, um, that's my, uh, probably my, uh, my weakness I'm really trying to overcome. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Brendan, where can people find you on the internet? Um, so they can find me at uh, – so my main webpage is startofhappiness.com. Um, so you can find me there or on uh, – uh, actually, that's probably – yeah, just go there and you'll be able to see everything about, um, about myself and the various profiles I have. Yeah, I found you uh, – I've been following you for a couple of years, actually, which is a bit stalkerish, isn't it? But um, <laughs> the, the reason I first found you was you, you publish an article every year called the Top 100 Personal Development Blogs of the Year, uh, yes. which is such a fantastic resource. I'm sure you get a lot of um, a lot of heat on that, and it just lays out what, what are the best personal development websites. Um, is it by traffic numbers? Is that how you measure it? Yeah, purely just by the size and and. and pretty much by traffic yeah yeah and you've just released the the 2016 one i guess is it uh 2017 oh 2017 yeah so the top 100 blogs of 2017 it's a great read and it's such a good resource for you know you can scroll down that list and you go oh i know that guy or oh man i'd love to learn more about that and um yeah i really recommend people going and checking that out awesome love it yeah i think it's um it's an awesome resource and um uh, as you say, it's it's one of my more more popular posts as well, just because it's it is just a an awesome resource for anybody in, uh, interested in personal development. Because I think that the thing that I found, I mean, all those 
websites that are on that top 100, they're so different. They're so diverse. And you'll often find somebody uh, that kind of resonates with you. And so a lot of the personal development space, you're talking about similar things in terms of goal setting, health and fitness, developing your finances, um, being passionate, being, uh, being on purpose, those kind of things. It's all kind of like similar topics, but it's, um, uh, I think it's important to find somebody that really resonates with you, that kind of speaks to your chords. You'd be like, yeah, I, uh, that guy or that person is in a very similar situation to me or they've gone through what I want to go go, on, have, uh, go through. So um, uh, that's the person I want to listen to. So I think it's uh, a great list for you to kind of like sift through and just see just what's, which ones really resonate with yourself and um, uh, follow a couple of, couple of them. Well, there you have it, folks, my conversation with the wonderful, friendly, enthusiastic Brendan Baker. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brendan. His website is startofhappiness.com, and he has some amazing programs there to help you find your passion and then make some money from it, as well as a whole bunch of free resources. So go and check out his website. As always, I'd love it if you could share the show around on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and a review if you get a chance, and we'll keep the show going for another 10 episodes. So thanks for listening and I'll be back next week with episode number 11 of The Nathan Seward Show. That was The Nathan Seward Show. Personal conversations with powerful men.